helping you live well, stay well, while keeping pace with today's rapidly changing healthcare environment. That's Summit Medical Group. And now it's time for SMG Radio. Here's Melanie Cole. Colorectal cancer is the third most common form of cancer in men and women in the United States, yet it's also one of the most preventable forms of cancer. Colonoscopies and a diet that's high in fiber can go a long way to making sure that your colon stays healthy. Today, my guest is Dr. Roger Klein. He's a gastroenterologist with Summit Medical Group. Welcome to the show, Dr. Klein. So people hear the word colonoscopy and they go running in the other direction. I personally think they're a nothing. It's the prep everybody doesn't like. So speak about colonoscopies. What are you looking for? Well, when we do a procedure, we're typically looking for polyps, which are the benign precursors of colon cancer. And by doing regular routine surveillance colonoscopy and removing polyps, we can prevent the majority of colon cancers. Uh, as you said, really the biggest uh, block that people feel is the, is the prep. And really what that involves is being on a clear liquid diet the day before the procedure, and there are a variety of different pre- preparations that can be used from lower volume preparations to preps that typically are about two liters. Uh, and really the, the outcome of all of those preps is diarrhea, which is what upsets people or discourages them from the procedure, but it's really a relatively minor nuisance uh, in the scheme of having the colonoscopy and preventing colon cancer. And the exams really need to be done fairly infrequently in a normal person with no uh, with no additional risk factors, no family history, sometimes the time between procedures can be up to 10 years. So who? let's start with that. When should you get your first colonoscopy if you are somebody with no family history of colon cancer? With no family history, the typical screening age is 50. There is a slight aside to that. People who are African-American uh, may have a slightly higher risk, and some studies suggest starting at 45. But for the general population, most people would argue age 50. With a family history, the age would be younger. Okay, so if you have the family history, you could start younger. And now with the Affordable Care Act, colonoscopy is part of a wellness preventive plan, so it should even be covered under most insurance plans, yes? Correct. Even today, with most insurance plans, a colonoscopy at age 50 done for screening purposes is considered preventive care, and generally whatever deductibles apply to insurance don't apply to routine preventive care. So it should be affordable, really, for everybody to have that routine screening. I love that about it because it's certainly such a preventive way. It's actually a a colon cancer preventative thing that you doctors are doing. So now tell us, because I imagine a lot of people say, okay, when are you going to start? and you say, I'm already finished, and then we get the little pictures. What are we seeing? Well, in the pictures, what we do is we typically document what we're seeing during the procedure. So we advance a colonoscope around the length of the colon, and typically we find that we're at the end of the colon by looking at the opening to the appendix, what we call the appendiceal orifice, and the ileocecal valve, which is the opening of where the small intestine joins the colon. Sometimes it's an addition, additional part of the exam. The endoscopist will go into the small intestine to examine that, particularly if the patient has a history of diarrhea or if there's a possible question of inflammatory bowel disease or Crohn's disease. So we will mark that spot with a photograph to identify that we're there. We're, we know that we're there at that time. Uh, and then we withdraw the colonoscope 
And that's really where we do the majority of our exam is we're withdrawing the scope from the colon looking for polyps. If we do see polyps on the way in, we'll remove them at that time as well. But for the most part, the real exam is, is as we're withdrawing the scope. And it's one of the important aspects of the exam, taking adequate time to look at the colon, at all of the walls of the colon, and at all of the turns. People think of the colon as just a long pipe, but it really has turns, it has crevices, and you really need to examine carefully for polyps, particularly some of the flatter polyps that we find now. Now, sometimes you spot internal or external hemorrhoids, and should people be worried about that when they see those? No, hemorrhoids are seen fairly frequently, and especially after taking a prep and having frequent diarrhea, the hemorrhoids, which are really what we call vascular cushions, can be engorged. So that's really not a sign of any pathology and of no concern. If somebody is having ongoing issues related to hemorrhoids with bleeding or discomfort, that's something that can be dealt with with a colorectal surgeon separately. So now speak about the polyps that you find, because there are a few different kind. People here, you say, well, I removed a few little polyps, and that's good news that you were able to remove them. But what do those polyps signal? Some are cancerous, some are not, or precancerous? Correct. Some, some polyps are what we uh, describe as adenomatous polyps, which a pathologist defines as dysplasia, and dysplasia means precancerous change. When we look at, when we examine the colon and we see polyps visually examining them, we can't tell definitively whether or not they're adenomatous polyps or not. The other type of polyps will sometimes see what we call hyperplastic polyps or sometimes inflammatory polyps, which really have no malignant potential. Typically, the larger polyps that we see that measure over a centimeter usually are adenomatous, and those are the polyps that we're really screening for. So anytime we do see a polyp and we remove it, we send that to the pathologist to look at, examine, see if it is an adenomatous polyp, and make certain that there is no signs of advanced dysplasia or the development of an early cancer within that polyp. Uh, there are different types of polyps that we do see within the colon. There are polyps that grow on stalks that we describe as pedunculated polyps, and then there are flatter polyps, and each of them have different techniques that we use to remove them. And if somebody has polyps and you've removed them, does that change the amount of time between colonoscopies? Yes. Depending on the number of polyps and the size of polyps removed would determine when you would be asked to come back for a follow-up procedure. Typically, if there are a few smaller adenomatous polyps, the recommendation would be to come back in five years. Sometimes if there's a larger polyp or multiple polyps, we might recommend three years. If there's a particularly large polyp or a polyp that had to be removed in pieces and you, uh, the endoscopist couldn't be 100% sure that the entire polyp was removed, you might be asked to return in anywhere from six months to a year. So it really depends at the, uh, on the findings of the time of the procedure. But most, most people would be asked to come back with polyps at a three- to five-year interval. How important, Dr. Klein, is a diet high in fiber to help keep our colon clean? Well, I think we've been finding more now that there are some environmental risk factors that really can play a role in colon cancer prevention. Uh, And eating a a healthy diet composed of uh, fresh fruits and vegetables, whole grains, limiting red meat, especially processed meats, limiting alcohol consumption, uh, all are environmental factors that can help 
reduce colon cancer risk. So if you were to tell somebody your best advice for reducing their risk of colon cancer, starting at a young age, because young people don't necessarily think this is something that can happen to them, what, what do you tell everybody, doctor? Well, again, the most important things are leading a healthy lifestyle, a, a well-balanced diet with lots of fresh, fresh fruits and vegetables, again, limiting red meat, men or at somewhat higher risk of colon cancer who drink heavily, so limiting drinks to uh, no more than 14 drinks per week, not smoking cigarettes, getting regular exercise, and maintaining a healthy weight are all factors that can produce colon cancer risk. The biggest risk factor that people have is genetic risk. And so knowing your family history and making certain that you're not at a higher risk and don't need to start screening at an earlier age is something that's very important to keep track of. Such great information, Dr. Klein. In just the last minute, why should patients come to Summit Medical Group for their care? Well, I think we offer a great type of comprehensive care here. We have wonderful gastroenterologists here. We have a great ambulatory surgical center here. And because we're a large multi-specialty group, we can get the immediate input from other physicians when we're doing a procedure right afterwards. So in the worst-case scenario of finding a colon cancer, a larger polyp, where we may need a surgeon to be involved. We have wonderful colorectal surgeons who are here. They can come up, look at the procedure. If we do need to have an oncologist involved or any additional imaging or lab work, it can all be arranged fairly seamlessly and very efficiently. And I think it makes the whole process, when one is going through a difficult time with an illness, much easier. Thank you so much, doctor, for being with us today. You're listening to SMG Radio. And for more information, you can go to summitmedicalgroup.com. That's summitmedicalgroup.com. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.